For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Kane's Corner Podcast, Adam Gold. All right, it's Adam and Alec. We're hanging out. We're talking uh, Hurricanes hockey. And this will be, I don't know if it won't be the last time we talk until training camp, which is a month away, but it's been about three weeks. Uh, so, and I know people have been clamoring, Alec. Oh, I mean, they're in my mentions like, hey, can you guys please continue Just utter, talking Canes? Utter the word Hurricanes over and over and over again for 30 minutes so we can get our fix. I can't even walk down the street without someone begging me for a Canes podcast. Ex- exactly. Even whether they know us or not. All right, so we're kind of, I guess we're past the the angst portion of the summer. Don Waddell just got a three-year contract extension, or the contract, didn't, I guess the contract had already expired, so he can't extend something that expired, but he received a three-year contract from Tom Dundon uh, after the uh, the Minnesota Wild came calling and they actually went up there and all of that. Um, I, ultimately, I think that the situation with Don Waddell is very similar to so many other situations that we've seen in that there were so many normal explanations for what transpired and how it looked. And individually, they're all no big deal. I I just kept looking at the totality of it all and thinking, man, it just looks bad. Looks bad from uh from the outside looking in, but ultimately the Hurricanes basically stayed intact, and that's good. Yeah, I mean, it's probably the smart move coming off the season that they had last year. I am one of those people who generally fancies themselves as sort of an if if it ain't broke, don't fix it right. type of person, yeah. especially, you know, this early on. Of course, there are scenarios that arise where some people just need changes of scenery, blah, blah, blah. But I don't think we're really in that position right now as it pertains to Don Waddell mm. as the GM of the team and the president of the team. And, yeah, I mean, they're downplaying all of it. I tend to not believe that it was as simple as the way Don <laughs> Waddell and Tom Dundon are making it out to be. You know, I to some extent, I do think that both of them – were a little bit – they're operating differently at the very least about mm-hmm. the way these things normally happen. But kind of like the Ajo situation where he signs the deal up there, I mean, there was something to it, yeah. right? Don Waddell going and interviewing for the wild job. So, you know, and I just continue, as it, again, as it pertains to Don Waddell, going back to the fact that this is a guy who – was kind of thrust into the GM position reluctantly, didn't really want to do it, and then did a good job for you. Right. <laughs> so that, to me, says that, at the very least, dude needs to get a contract signed pretty quickly and, right. in all reality, deserves a raise. 
Yeah, for what he did no last idea year. If he got a raise or not. I mean, he completely. I probably should have. We should have asked the head, the uh, the owner of that yesterday. Well, I mean, they didn't even release the terms of the deal initially. Well, I don't. You, you, I don't. I don't even know if they normally do with a general manager. Well, they probably maybe they don't. do. I don't know. But you know, then it was Tom was like, I think it's three years. Like he's that. He's sort of that laissez-faire about it. But you know, I, I just <laughs> like I feel like he didn't know the rule. At some point, though, doesn't Tom Dundon? have to show, like, because everyone's watching this. Like, whether you're a player, mm-hmm. whether you're someone who, who works in the front office, you know, any anybody who works there needs to feel like they're going to be appreciated, rewarded for good jobs, you know, mm-hmm. at some point. And I feel like when you drag things like this on, it just – it sends a bad message to people that, you know, they can do really good work and it's not going to be appreciated. Yeah, it, it, you bring up, I think, just the, a human point about this in that from the outside we see a hockey team and the front-facing people of that hockey team, whether it's Tom Dundon or Rod Brindamore or Don Waddell or the players, these are the people that fans, people who are listening right now, that nine of them, who are listening right now, are that's the that's their connection. So we don't know what's going on behind that wall. We don't know. I mean, we know that people have left. We know Brian Tatum, who was an assistant general manager, who's been with the he's a Raleigh native. I think he graduated from Carolina. Who's been here for you know since the team moved to North Carolina. He has worked in some capacity with the team. I mean, he left and basically started working for a, a local company called Teamworks, uh, which actually might have some dealings with the Hurricanes, which is kind of ear, uh, you know, eerie. But uh, so he just leaves, and you've got other people within the organization that have left. Now, again, I'm not trying to to, uh, to cast any aspersions, but we don't know what the mood is. But what you bring up, the point you bring up, is so true. Because it doesn't pertain just to hockey. It pertains to, like, here, right? So we have yeah. we have bosses here. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether whether it's met with, you know, some, uh, some reward that tangible that you can hold in your hand, whether it's cash or a gift card or something, you want to know that you have pleased them. Right. So some recognition for a job well done is important. And... Yeah, there probably should have been something earlier for Don, who at the very least is providing Tom Dundon with exactly what he wants, value. He's got two jobs in one person. I mean, here's the way that I look at it. The way that we operate in this country in terms of work and compensation, the only real rewards for work are money or elevation. Right. And usually money comes with elevation. And if you've already elevated to the highest point you can be, like Don Waddell can't become the owner. No. So essentially he's got as high a job as he's going to get probably. Right. So the only thing else to give him is more money. You can throw all of the inner office birthday parties. Sheet cake. You can bring sheet Come cakes. Come on, bring him a sheet cake. You can cake. bring bagels and coffee oh. in in the morning. You can do bowling outings and all oh, of those things. Like you know, and those – in a lot of ways, like mask, well, oh yeah, we appreciate you. You know, we're building this really right. cool environment 
in the end, they'll fire you if you don't do right. well. You know, even though if you attend all of those things and you don't perform, they'll fire you anyway. But in the end, what people want is they want to feel like they're a contributor mm-hmm. and they want to feel valued and they want to get paid. <laughs> like, stop with all of that other crap. Just give us more money. Like, if we give you give us more money, we'll do more work. And you know, or you know, and and to me, I don't understand why that's always lost on employers. Well, it look, I've had conversations with Tom about the difference between the business sector and the sports business sector, and I wrote about it. And the the line I used in my recent column about Waddell, and this is before he was signed, uh, he agreed to the contract, was that have you ever seen somebody uh, stopping or coming to a traffic circle for the first time? And they like, what do I do? Like, who has somebody who's never encountered a traffic circle before, yeah. you get to a traffic circle and, and you just go- Clark Griswold, the what? whole thing. Do I, do, can I go? Right. Is that is that yield sign for me? So- and, just can't get left. And I'm <laughs> and I'm not saying that that Tom Dundon doesn't understand the uh the professional sports business part of it. But it does not operate like the business side, the business world. Where it, and I, and I, we talked about this I get, we talked about it yesterday where cuz I asked him specifically about it uh and and He's not used to operating under a set of rules that somebody else sets forth. He's under used he's used to operating under a set of laws right. because laws, you know, there are there are laws in the world. Uh, you can't break the law, but in terms of like when when he was running the uh the the auto loan business or in Top Golf or whatever, he's got an HR company. Uh all of these companies, he sets the rules. Because he's the owner of the company. So he doesn't have to operate by what somebody else says. But in the in the NHL, in professional sports, somebody else sets the rules. And you've got, you've got 31 independent businesses that all need to operate under those rules. And he's not used to that. And right. there is going to be, whether uh, he's a really smart guy, I'm never, I would never say anything other than that, um, but for the, he just he has to get used to somebody else creating his field of play, and until that happens, uh, we're probably going to have more bumps in the road. Yeah, I mean I get that, but at the same time, you're still employing people. Our primary form of reward in this country is monetary, mm-hmm. so it's it operates similarly as the business world in that regard. So. I, I mean, I just, you know, would Tom want to work, do extra work for no more money as Don Waddell did last year? Probably the answer is no. What do we always say about people who make the kind of money that he makes? Like, they don't they don't mess around with their money. No. Right? They, well, get, their, they get their money. <laughs> Tom did. And he, he gave away $70 million to the yeah, yeah, yeah. So they, they manage these situations right. to a standard that they themselves wouldn't appreciate. All right, let's first of all let's, let's talk real quick about the the job that Waddell did this past year and even the summer, uh, and then we'll move on to the team. Uh, it's unclear what 
what role Don played. And I, I, I know he was a finalist for the NHL's Executive of the Year. Um, but there's a reason why the Hurricanes could not hire a GM last summer. And part of it is because Tom, Don, uh, Tom Dundon, I'm going to get Tom, my Toms and Dons mixed up here. Uh, Tom Dundon was very open about this is how we are going to make our decisions. It was going to be a group effort. Part of the reason why Ron Francis was let go, fired as general manager, was because he pushed back on that. He was used to operating in a, in, in a certain way, and that way was not going to be available to him. So uh, that was, a, that was a, a marriage that was destined to fail. Don Waddell was more open to, hey, what do you think? Eric Tulsky, what do you think? Darren York, what do you think? Tom Dundon, what do you think? Rod Brindamore, what do you th- He. It was really more of a by-committee approach, and Don was open to that. Um, but I don't know what kind of, uh, you know, who ultimately makes the decisions on player signings and uh, I mean, if I had to guess, I would even say that it's probably Tom Dundon that ultimately makes all of these decisions with input. With all of that said, it's it's rare to find somebody who's been in the game that long, as Waddell's got 40 years of experience in pro hockey. Mm-hmm. It's hard to find somebody who's been in the game that long that is willing to, you know, basically be there as almost a sounding board and maybe to guide you and help you and create contacts for you. Cause I think that's what Waddell's primary focus probably was. Well, I, I think that probably logistically, and by the way, I like the decision by committee, the, the collaborative, yeah, it doesn't bother me. the collaborative nature of it. I think that's a good thing. I think it's good for in any workplace to do it that way, but probably logistically it was the only way to do it because you have Don Waddell who essentially has two full-time <laughs> position titles, right? So right. at some point, something is going to get left behind. There's a reason in most organizations there is a president and there is a general manager because those are two full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. So you probably logistically needed all of those people around in order to offset the fact that you had a guy doing two separate gigs. So I I would I, – I don't know – exactly who ends up making those decisions but i i ultimately appreciate and like the format and the system that they purportedly say they have yeah look i i, I as you said before if it ain't broke and this is why coming off the success that they had uh including the moves that were made during the course of the season you know kind of massaging the roster with as many call-ups as they had from uh, the Charlotte Checkers and kind of working through that and then the trade of Victor Rask to the Minnesota Wild for Nino Niederreiter and everything that happened over the course of the last year, um, it was imp- I thought it was important to continue that on, that relationship on. And as Tom talked about yesterday, there are certain people who are really uh, vital pieces of the puzzle, and I think he looks at Don Waddell as one of them. He certainly looks at Rod Brindamore as one of them. So uh, for at least the next three years, or I guess two more years for Rod, although uh, I have no reason to believe that Rod Brindamore is going to be anything other than the Hurricanes coach, um, 
then you know that that will uh, that will continue. So let's. What's left? There's only one thing left. And uh, in all of my conversations with the team, with the owner, they're still kind of waiting, although I still find it hard to believe, they're still kind of waiting for the white puff of smoke from Justin Williams' house. Yes, I'm back. Um, I just, I, this. At what point do you start to get uncomfortable? Because I don't think I'm there yet. Well, but- Look, I I haven't. It's starting to creep in. Is a different, un, uncomfortable is a different, difficult thing to put my finger on in terms of, like I think it should have already been done, mm-hmm. right? In my, I do not have any inside knowledge other than, uh, I talked to Williams on a fair, you know, you know, a fair amount. Although I haven't spoken with him in probably six weeks, um, and. Well, he he was saying all the right things in terms of not I haven't made my decision yet. Again, I'm speculating. I'd be surprised if he didn't want to play. Really surprised. He was too good last year. There there was no drop off in the game. So as long as you know if he had struggled to 40 points last year, then I could see it. But he had a better second half than he had a first half. And he escaped the season relatively injury-free. And he was skating very well. So I don't see why he's not coming back. Well, I mean, I guess you could make the argument that maybe that would be a reason to retire. Is that maybe you caught lightning in a bottle last year in terms of your health, in terms of your production, in terms of what the team did as a whole Mm -hmm. And you ride off into the sunset on that instead of, you know, going into a final season not knowing what's ahead. Maybe you get hurt. Maybe you have. Maybe right. you have a bad. Maybe maybe you finally hit that that veteran wall where it just doesn't happen for you anymore, and you don't have a very good season. The team doesn't do well, and you go out that way. Instead, you call your shot right now. But I mean, I could see also why it would be super hard to do that based on. What happened last year? Yeah, I so t- to me, it's something that should have been done weeks ago. That uh, th- this this should have been handled uh, before the start of August. But maybe Justin really doesn't know, and if that's the case, then you can't rush that. So uh, he is uh, either back in town now or back in town uh, very soon, maybe by the beginning of next week, because uh, his kids are going to start school. And uh, he clearly doesn't have a lot of years left, although Yarmir Yager played until his mid-40s. I'm not saying that Justin Williams is thinking about that, uh, but he keeps himself in fantastic shape. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, plays all sorts of sports during the off season. He plays tennis. Uh, he's obviously a good golfer, but he keeps himself in great shape. He does... I think he swims a little he bit. He swims. He does yoga. Like he is, He does a lot of different things to keep himself flexible and conditioned he doesn't have to get in shape he's always in shape so uh and i mean he's just he doesn't have he doesn't seem to have an over he's not overly muscular or anything like that as i give you uh he's, a, a he's very good yeah he is he's sneaky pliable long. sneaky uh very pliable yeah. very it's like gumby um but look he and tom brady i bet he works out with tom brady i bet Secretly. tom brady wishes he could work out with justin williams but I, look i 
to me, it should have been done a while ago, but um, if if he legitimately hasn't made his decision yet, and I'll respect that, uh, then you can't rush that. But ultimately, I think he comes back, and I think he's part of his team. What if uh, he surprises us? What if no one ever, no one finds out, and then when we show up at media day, he just pops up? <laughs> like there's no announcement, and we just get to. Uh, I would love that. <laughs> what a surprise that would be. Uh, media day is what September fourth, right? Yes. Like he'll just show up. He'll he'll pop out of the stormy costume mm-hmm. as the uh, the the ball hockey referee. Right. He'll be out there. Right. Exactly. <laughs> he'll be refing the the ball hockey game in a stormy costume, and at the end, just let everybody know he's well, playing. He, what did what did Tom tell us yesterday? Uh, he said that Justin Williams be part of this organization in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, I thought that that was among the other stuff about Waddell. I actually thought the one quote that he had yeah. that was pretty compelling was the one where he said if he plays anywhere he's playing for us right and i you know there there is a within reason there like if uh if somebody offered him 6 million dollars to play i don't believe the hurricanes are offering him 6 million dollars to play and uh right now they don't even have 6 million dollars under the salary cap to offer as it turns out they're going to be around million and a half 2 million dollars remember they still haven't signed Sacramento Lennon yet he has not signed a contract yet, so they have some uh, they have some issues. They just uh, dealt with uh, Anton Forsberg, got an arbitration award, uh, which is a one way deal, and uh, Brock McGinn got to, what two point two point three to uh, to return. So we're probably looking at some kind of trade at some point. Uh, either a trade or Justin plays on a smaller deal than we all thought, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, it allows for some incentives that don't necessarily impact the salary cap. So we'll uh we'll see how that uh how all of that works out. But let's just let's work from the assumption that Justin Williams plays because I mean I still believe that they need him to be as good as they can be. Um how would you and by the way I heard your uh your spec spot mm-hmm. for a uh for uh you know a potential sponsor of the lineup on uh Stormwatch. On Stormwatch. Uh, and I didn't hate the lineup. Well, I you left Brock McGinn off, though. I know, I know, I did. <laughs> Somebody I, has to be left I, off if I Justin's was, back. I was working from just from my memory without looking at a roster, and right. that's a shame on me because no, I no, am I, a, you were. I think you were fine. I mean, I'm a big Brock McGinn fan, but I do, I do see scenarios where Brock McGinn is an excellent, healthy scratch. Uh huh. Sits in the booth with the best of them. No, but you know, I mean that that's. That's kind of the luxury you want, right? Guys like that who get a night off here and there. Right. And I also found myself wondering where I put a Nino Niederreiter or a Tevo Teravainen, but ultimately what I wrote down was Teravainen, Aho, and Sveshnikov on the first line, then Dezingle, Halla, and Natchez on the second line. Newbies. Yeah. And, you know, of course, that's also pending. Yeah, uh, Nature still has to make the club. I mean, I mean, he has no, to I'm, make the team. Right. By the way, did they take his big fat head out uh, down from the stadium yet? No, it's been it was up there all last year. Even in the playoffs, Martin uh, <laughs> Martin Natchez was uh, was plastered right. on, outside the PNC Arena, front and center. Uh, third line, I have Nino Niederreiter, Jordan Stahl, and Justin Williams. And then on the fourth line, I have Warren Fogle, Walmark, Martinuk, 
none of my defensive pairs changed. So Slavin, Hamilton, Pesci, Falk, Flurry, Van Riemsdyk. Although I guess we'll find out what happens because Van Riemsdyk won't be. We, will he no, be? Will he be Van, back for training camp or no? Van Riemsdyk is supposed to be uh, ready to go for the start of the season. Whether they hold him out of the first couple of preseason games or not, I don't know. Uh, but he seems to be on track to get back on the ice and be ready to start the season. I would say that shoulder injuries are always just a little bit dicey in that you might want to take it a little slow because these guys, especially defensemen, man, they will take some hits in the mm-hmm. corners behind the behind the goal, which is exactly how Van Riemsdyk got hurt. So I don't know how it's going to work out with him in terms of health, but he, is, he appears to be on track, which would have been – the start of the season. Yeah, and then I had James Reimer starting in net. Uh, you you had no, you had Peter Mrazek. Just kidding, I had Peter Mrazek. Yeah, you had Peter Mrazek. I listened to it. Uh, you know, it'd be interesting to see if uh, if they do try to top load the uh, the 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 Aho Teravon and Svechnikov situation. They went with that in the playoffs uh, with really not a whole lot of success. Uh, but well, I had initially put Niederreiter up there, but then I realized. Because I'm I'm here for the Dzingo Hala second line, so then I was wondering, okay, well if if that's the case, then that bumps Teravainen down to the third line, which I don't necessarily like, and I like him with Aho. Uh, I do too, and I, look, I love for the first time in a long time because I do think that we're going to see a breakout from Andrei Svechnikov. I think he's going to take another step forward this year, and by the end of last year, he was already becoming. Uh, somebody that you had to deal with, really deal with on a night-in, night-out basis. So I think he takes that next up, step forward this year. I think he will be a 30-goal guy this year and probably in the neighborhood of 60 to 70 points. And it'll be interesting to watch Aho play with another elite player. Um, as much as I love Tevo Teravainen or we love Nino Niederreiter or Justin Williams, um, Ajo's at a different level than those guys. And if you look around the league, Marner, Mitch Marner in Toronto plays with John Tavares. Right? There might be a, you know, a, a an energy guy on the other side of that line, but Marner is playing with a world-class player. Braden Point in Tampa plays with Kucherov, right? These the best players play with other best players. And right now, and I've said this for years about Eric Stahl, Stahl never played with elite players when he was here, except early when he was playing with the best version of Eric Cole, who was a perfect winger for Eric Stahl. And he played with guys like Corey Stillman. Um, But if your best players are playing with guys who are slightly below them in terms of their overall ability, then it depresses their production. And I'll be interested to see when Ajo starts playing with the elite players when Carolina has that kind of a line. Uh, and I think Svechnikov could be that this year. And I'd love to see that click. If it doesn't click, they can always go back to things that worked, whether it's Teravine and Ajo together, Williams, Ajo, and Niederreiter, which was a dynamite line for three months last year. Uh, but I'll be interested in that. My the, when I keep When I look at the forward lines, though, Part of me wonders, it's weird, how you incorporate Jordan Stahl to me now because of the presence of Eric Howla. Jordan Stahl can be, I mean, you could almost insert him as a fourth-line center at this point 
or forget about numbering the lines, just a checking center. But then who do you put with him? Which is which is going to be difficult. And I, you you had Niederreiter with him. So it's almost a waste of Niederreiter's offense yeah. to put him with Stahl. So it's going to be interesting to see how Rod Brindamore deploys all of that. Like Ryan Dezingle's not a great defensive player, right? Um, but he's fast and he scores. So do you put him with uh, with somebody who's also fast in Howla? So I agree. I love to see Dezingle play with Howla and Natchez because that could be a dynamic speed line. Right, but you might Natchez find more skate. balance with Dezingle playing with Stall and Williams. Yeah, you, right? I I don't know how it's going to work out. Hey, they could go back to Fogel, Stall, and Williams. I, I think Warren Fogel here, there's a lot of wild cards with how these forward groups are going to work out. Uh, one of them is Natchez. What is he going to do? How How is he going to – he has to produce scoring, right? He ha, he must score um, to to be a part of uh, of the top nine. Uh, Fogel could force his way into a top nine situation. Like, I don't think that – That's we, how he operates. <laughs> it is, really it is. But I don't think that what we saw in the playoffs is that far off of reality. Now, I'm not expecting him to score, you know, uh, 30 goals, but – I don't see any reason why Warren Fogle can't be a 20-goal kid. Um, so he's gonna. I think he's going to force his way uh, into, a, into a top nine situation. Something, I mean, it's going to be interesting to see how all of that plays out. Uh, and maybe Rod will just play four lines kind of equally, which would be an interesting development for Rod Brindamore, who we know basically shortened his bench in the third period of almost every game. Well, I mean, I do like the idea of having a more versatile Jordan Stahl in terms of his minutes. Like that, I think that's maybe the biggest impact of the Howla signing mm-hmm. was that now you're able to kind of drop him in in different spots, you know, uh, defensive zone faceoffs, things like that, um, when you need to and if you can. So, yeah, it will, it will be very interesting to see how he how he figures this out this year. Do you have a you have uh, a concern about this year's team, a couple of concerns about this year this, this year's team? I mean, I like the team a lot. I feel like my biggest concerns probably I don't know if this is necessarily concern or just a question is what happens with the third defensive pair. Mm-hmm. Um and then goaltending, I think is maybe the biggest question for me like I like Peter Morazic I I love his I love the his style I love his demeanor mm-hmm. I love the way he goes about his work but I want to see how he re- rebounds from a very good season because I think that when things went wrong it was because he got too comfortable and now that he's had another you know good season can he continue that a little bit? And how many games can he play? How how durable is he mm-hmm. going to be? And who's going to be the backup? Those are those are that's probably my main question. The the goaltending could be better, or it might not be as good. Right? I mean that's yeah. un, that's that's the dilemma we're in because there are no sure things with Carolina's goaltending. Um, there are sure things around the league. There are sure things in Tampa with Andre Vasilevsky. Um, I'm not even sure that Florida's got a sure thing in Sergei Bobrovsky. I'm really not sure. Um, but the the Hurricanes have uh, Mrazek, who played great uh, last year, 
uh, especially the second half, better in the second half than the first half. Um, but definitely struggled with his confidence in the Boston series and ultimately had to get, come out when Curtis McElhinney went back in. And maybe he was injured, but I don't think he was injured because if he was injured, he wouldn't have been back. Um, but James Reimer's coming off a couple of weak seasons in Florida and kind of has to rehab, rehabilitate his own career. And then you've got the wild card of uh, Alex Nedeljkovich, which I mean, I'm not looking at Anton Forsberg as an option. I know that the organization is saying a lot of right things, but uh, to me no. it's, a three, it's a three-headed monster. Uh, it would be great to see Nedeljkovich have a good camp and force them to make some decisions. Uh, but honestly, I don't know that they'd make those decisions because I think they're, they want to go, they want to have three available goaltenders. Uh, so that is uh, the issue. Third pair defenseman. Uh, ultimately, I think Jake Bean is going to win that job. Hmm. Um, but if, because um, I just don't think Hayden Flurry gives you any one thing that's so good yeah. that makes you say, all right, yeah, he's got to play. I think Bean at least has an offensive element to his game that you can utilize. Um, and if he plays with the right, you know, if Van Riemsdyk is healthy enough to shepherd him through it, I think Van Riemsdyk can be a very good pair for him. Um, but then then I said it earlier, Marty Natchez. Yeah, that that was the other thing I was going to bring Natchez, up. If he's, uh, if he's really good, now he doesn't have to be 25 goals, but uh, if he's an offensive contributor, can help on the power play, Right, just makes him if he's reliable all that much better. Like if we don't have to ask questions yeah. about him, right? You know, if if Rod Brindamore isn't afraid to put him on the ice, right. and I don't believe he will because he's going to be a winger. He's not going to be a center. I think his career trajectory will be in terms of position will be just like Ajo's. He's going to play the first couple of years on the wing, and then they will make the transition to the middle because I think ultimately that's what will happen. Ajo played his first year at center last year, uh, mostly good. End of the year, not so good. Uh, but I do think that Ajo will get better, and I think you'll see the same thing uh, at Anatius. Are you uh, you all set for uh, your first storm watch? Yes. <laughs> Does that sound convincing? Yep, I was convinced. You had I, me. I mean, you know, I'm not going to start preparing for it until well, the day. Well, why of. not? Just like every other storm watch, I have my routine. <laughs> you know, got to get through media day first. See, right. See what kind of uh, stones I can unturn. You know Over what there? you should do? You should do a storm watch for the ball hockey game. <sighs> See, <laughs> no, yeah, no, no, I don't think because so. I want to play in the ball hockey game, and uh, we're going to be doing media before that, and I'm not going to have time. I, I understand that. Can only focus on so many things at one time. Totally understand. But anyway, your uh, your first storm watch but will I'm, be ahead of the game at Tampa on Tuesday. September seventeenth. I'm I'm starting to get, I'm starting to get amped up. I'm not I'm not gonna I'm not gonna Ooh. lie to you and say okay. that I'm Good. that I'm there because you know I'm still enjoying the golf season, my golf season that is. Oh, okay, your golf. I'm season. still enjoying you know the weekend mornings off, two days per weekend. Those are cool. Yep. Um, that so, end that ends on the twenty first. Right. They end very quickly because <laughs> we go straight into a back-to-back, I think, right? Uh, 17th and 18th are back-to-backs, right. against, both against Tampa. Why wouldn't we just ease in? Right. Then the 21st is uh, at Washington. Uh, they play uh, Tampa, Washington, and Nashville. 
in the in the uh, in the preseason. Caniac Carnival, by the way, the free game is September 29th. So that's a 1:30 start. So that should be uh, that should be fun. Uh, I look forward to all of it. Uh, all right, let's uh, let's meet back here in uh, in a week or so and do it again. Cool. Is that cool? Uh, all right, that's uh, that's a Kane's Corner podcast for you. Bye. You've been listening to the Kane's Corner podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget there are many ways you can listen to this podcast, including streaming at WRALsportsfan.com, the WRAL Sports Fan app, and you can also subscribe for free at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Pocket Casts, and TuneIn. Thanks again for listening to the Kane's Corner podcast. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.